0: My friend, your role as a father is critical. You are so important. Three nuggets that hit me from my conversation with Lucas today are one, asking a better question, am I a good dad? There's a better question to be asked. And two, how to be out on the front lines, how to be out in front leading your family. And three, as fathers, we have an ability to learn new skills and then pass them to our kiddos. Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes Podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 11 to 17 and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 20th year of marriage. Yep, I'm in the thick of it and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by The Adventure of Fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Lucas Bonzer. I learned so much during this conversation. Enjoy meeting Lucas. All right, my friends. Super pumped to be hanging out with my friend, Luke. How are you today? Doing good, man. How you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. So funny, we're both in the insurance game. We're at this event in Laguna Beach, I believe, sometime last year. And last year was a big year for me. I went through this physical transformation before I turned 40 years old. I always worked out, but I wanted to look and feel my best. When I turned 40 and I hit that goal, it was an epic journey. It was different than I had anticipated. My addiction to food, although I had a good metabolism, whenever I see a guy by the pool who is just freaking put in the work, like once you put. some work in, you know what it takes. And I think we had golfed together and we'd been around a couple dinners or something that week. But then down at the pool, I'm like, yo, this guy is freaking jack. And so I came over and talked to you and uh, we just shared some stories and you shared some insight. But what led you to shift into transforming your body really? Yeah. The, the biggest
1: thing is for me is that I'd always did sports as a kid. I was baseball, football, played some golf as well. And I've always worked out. And, but it was one of those things where I never knew what foods to eat, how much to eat. And that was always the biggest indicator of changing your physique is comes down to the food. You see people now, New Year's resolution, they go to the gym, but they never change. And it's not because they're not dedicated or the work they put in the gym, it's the food. And so I was kind of the same where I wanted not only just be strong and do well in the gym but i also wanted to show what was underneath the fluff basically and that's where wanting to have that show and go not only be strong in the gym but also look good so be that hybrid athlete of strong like a power lifter but look like a bodybuilder and Mm. so i wanted to meet those two worlds and so that's what really lead me into that path of obtaining a better physique that's what came down to like you said is the food and not just sitting there like a weekend warrior type of deal So that's the biggest thing that changed for me was coming down to understanding the food and how much tracking macros, creating a meal plan and obtaining the physique that I wanted because nobody wants to be fat. Nobody wakes up in the morning. I wish to be fatter today. It doesn't work that (laughs) everyone wants to look good. You know, maybe you don't want to have a six pack, but most people really do. They'll say, Oh, I don't want a six pack or I don't want to be chiseled, but they kind of really do. They're just saying that as a reflection and a pushback for reasons not to do it, not to have it, but it's changing your physique is not an easy thing.
0: So tell me this, and I'm sure we'll get more into it, but what was your kind of like weight or body fat percentage when you decided, hey, I want to change my nutrition and then what did it change to?
1: Yeah. So when I initially started in 2020, I'm not quite sure what the body fat percentage is because I never really cared about that number specifically. It's more about how the clothes fit and how you look in the mirror when you see yourself. So, if mm, I had to I guess, like I probably had to be somewhere maybe 20% body fat. I wasn't a super fat guy, but from the beer drinking on the weekends and obviously not tracking what food you're eating, that's going to lead to body fat. So, I think I was about 209, 210 in regards to my body weight. And then when I cut down and learned how to eat and macros and incorporate things in together, I dropped down to 167. Dang. So I dropped over 40 pounds lot. within a hundred days. And that was just based of food and training. There was no cardio involved. It was just being dedicated. Not drinking is the biggest thing because you have those liquid calories from the beer and the alcohol. So dropping that and incorporating with being in a chlor- Have you cut drinking out altogether? Not altogether. I wouldn't consider myself an alcoholic. Okay. I was just a weekend warrior, basically I like to yep. call it. So Yeah, yeah. Get off work on Friday, close up shop at the agency, start having drinks Saturday, Sunday, and then I'd get right back in on Monday and I never drink during the week. So it was just more of a weekend thing. And now I rarely drink. If I do, maybe at an event and I have one or two drinks. And I can't remember the last time I was hungover. Early 2020. So it's been pretty much over four years since I've been on a bender hungover type of deal. So if I do drink, it's a couple here and there, but I would never really had an issue of alcoholism, we'll call it.
0: Yeah, honestly, dude, I like that answer better. I think it's great when somebody comes on and they're like, yeah, dude, I quit drinking forever. And if it's a problem for you, then yes, please stop drinking <laughs> yeah. forever. But I also like, yes, I'm gonna do this in moderation because I want for myself, like I'm gonna have a cocktail every once in a while. I'm gonna share a beer with my dad or my brother or whoever. And so I think sometimes it almost has a little less hold on you. I grew up in the church and drinking was bad. And I drank a couple times in high school. And then I didn't drink for all of my 20s. And it was almost did more damage because I kind of just became judgmental around it. So I started drinking at age 32. Okay. And it doesn't have a hold on me like I could literally take it or leave it. And for me, that's healthier than going I'm never ever going to do this. But to each his own, right? You got to know yourself because booze can cause a lot of freaking issues. But yeah, I like the answer. And it goes the same thing with food. And so people are like, Oh, I've got to go. On- on a diet and like, well, I'm yeah. never going to have
1: pizza again or cookies or that dessert or maybe a Chipotle burrito or whatever your simple pleasures are. And I explained to people, you just have to sacrifice for a period of time to obtain the result that you want. It's not gone forever because then once right. you get to a point where you have control over the, your eating habits and your binge eating, then you can sit yes. there and be like, I can have one cookie and I'm satisfied. Like I don't need to eat the whole container. Of cookies. And it goes the same thing with drinking. I can have a couple of drinks and I can stop. Yeah so it's a mindset it's a discipline yeah. so it's with alcohol and food because i think food is more bigger of a drug than alcohol and drugs itself because if you go to a mm. grocery store mm. look how much shit and chemicals are in food nowadays it's disgusting yeah. and, and it's, it, it's affecting the child obesity is massive i take my kids to the park and man there's little kids that are like pushing 200 pounds holy shit the kid can't fit down the fucking that's slide crazy. Yeah. and so i think food yeah. is a bigger problem in some ways than alcohol mm. and drugs and it's just not something that's brought up because for what whatever reason, it's a touchy subject for people and talking about people that are overweight and obese nowadays.
0: Yeah, what's crazy though is I was just looking on some of the government health website and just seeing the incline of obesity in the last 20 years is wild in America. Yeah. How fat we are getting. And we don't even really realize that if we're hitting 30% body fat, we're becoming obese. We have some medical and health issues that we're going to have. And the problem is if you're a dude and you're like, yeah, who gives a shit? I work really hard and it doesn't bother me. That's fine. But do you want your kid to look like you when he's 40? Probably not, right? So if you're not going to do it for yourself, have a little bit bigger why, which is your spouse, if you're married and your kids, you're setting that tone. I mean, you're the one choosing what you're buying to put in the grow in your house for food, et cetera. So it's pretty important.
1: It's a huge deal, especially me having two kids and I have young kids that are seven and eight and I make their breakfast every morning and their lunches for school and dinner and I weigh out my kids food. I basically track their macros as well too because it's not about, oh my god, you weigh your kids food, and but I want them to see what dad's doing because kids won't listen to their parents, Mm -hmm. but they're going to watch. They're going to listen. They're going to see, hey dad, why are you weighing the food? Or hey dad, why are you going to the gym today? Kids watch and they're sponges. They may not maybe paying but they are. And so that's the biggest thing is as a father yes. is leading by example and showing them instead of telling them. It's easier that way. And kids yeah. will see it in repetition.
0: So I don't miss this. And then I'm going to go to the beginning of my typical questions. But right now I've got an 11 year old, a 17 year old kiddos. And we had our December of junky food and we're moving into healthy food, hopefully setting some new habits around it. And funny enough is like, I know that as the dad, I do have a bit more control of the breakfast and lunch. And so I'm going to be meal prepping and preparing those for my kids. And then my wife is responsible for dinner. But question for you is you have a seven and eight year old. What are some good breakfasts or lunches that you are making for your kiddos that you think other dads could be like, oh, cool. I could step into preparing this or making this available for my kids. Yeah. With kids,
1: it's tough because there's really no good mornings for school. Okay. What's quick and easy, typically bowl of cereal. Kids Mm -hmm. can hammer down and get out the door. So that's a typical go-to for most parents. But for me, I'm up early. So depending on the day, but typically my go-to is I'm going to make them a protein shake. So it's basically non-flavored protein powder. The ingredients are clean too from the protein powder that I get. And basically just adding in some orange juice, applesauce, blend it up and get the kids to at least get some Mm. protein and carbohydrates in the morning. So sometimes that's an easy go-to. And then also pretty basic, just scrambled eggs and bacon. And maybe some fruit with that too and some orange juice and making sure waking up the kids. They don't have to be at school until eight, but I wake them up at 6.30. So it gives them time instead of just rushing out the door. So I get them up early, yes. allow yeah. them to get their brains going. They're not feeling rushed to get to school, that anxiety, and allow them to eat their breakfast and give them time versus waking them up at 7.30, hey, get dressed, get a bowl of cereal, and let's get out the door within 30 minutes. So breakfasts are very simple and basic. So that's where it's like, well, I don't have time in the morning to make them breakfast. You do. Get your ass up early enough, make two scrambled eggs, some fruit, a couple pieces of bacon, depending on what obviously anybody that has food restrictions or allergies, but at least for my kids, they don't have that. Right. So I can make them eggs and bacon, some fruit and orange juice. And it's just getting that meal down and then getting them out the door for breakfast. Weekends can be a little bit easier. I can make pancakes and waffles and get a little bit more time to make a little bit easier foods. But if you want to do pancakes, like I do the Kodiak pancakes, it's got protein, mm-hmm. I'll throw in an egg, some goat's milk to get extra protein into there. Because I know some kids can be picky about milk and certain things. So I try to get as much protein in my kids as possible versus kids don't need as much carbohydrates. So I try to really increase their proteins right. and fats. And so that's in regards to breakfast foods where I kind of keep it relatively simple, it doesn't need to be complicated. And then lunches, turkey sandwiches, or I'll do your yeah. traditional peanut butter and jelly, I get their fats, I use Dave's protein bread and try to stay away from the white breads the enriched flours and stuff. Mm-hmm. So those are basically in regards to their protein base for their lunch is going to be an I weighed out, I try to at least get four ounces of sliced sandwich meat mm-hmm. and then peanut butter for peanut butter and jelly. And then I'll make sure to throw in some fruit. I'll throw in pretzels and maybe some sort of basic snack. And then they have water for their drink. So biggest thing is you just don't have to overcomplicate yeah. things.
0: Dude, it's so awesome. Right. I think one of my greatest joys is when I can make my kid breakfast and you send them to school with a healthy lunch because they'll be running out the door and just grab something crappy that's on me for having it in the house. But working on those things, I think as a dad, if you're getting yourself up early, you're getting yourself set up for the day, you have an opportunity there to make your kid breakfast and if they're going to sit at the counter and either wait and eat with them or just sit and talk with them because eating is like this traditional thing that we would usually stop and break bread together and kick it and connect. And now, especially in America, we're so fast about our eating or we do it in front of the TV or something. And we're missing these moments of, or we do it in front of the TV or something, and we're missing these moments of pausing and connecting. And so I think as a dad, if you can look at that morning window as a moment to connect with your kid and put something healthy in their body, teaching them a habit, it's like, dude, that's not difficult. And anybody do it. Exactly.
1: And it's like, you don't have to make anything fancy or special. Just my biggest thing is I'm a big protein driver. So whatever you can make your children and drive in and getting enough protein into their diets, because it's going to satiate them more and keep them more full. So then they're not going to want to have to grab snacks. So if you can teach their body and get them used to that protein into their bodies, it's going to be less likely than reach for the junk food, which the junk food digests even quicker, it's not going to save. So that's what creates the overeating and that type of habit. So that's kind of my thing to make sure and understanding the food and how to provide better quality food for the kids, not only just for myself. But then teaching them those good habits and starting off with my kids have multiple mm-hmm. meals throughout the day as well to help with their metabolism and their development. For me, having multiple meals is like putting wood into the fire is like your metabolism. The more wood, you're going to mm-hmm. keep that fire burning and you're going to teach your body how to utilize those calories versus storing it as fat. And so in teaching your kids and their body yeah. at an early age is going to set them up for success and not failure and longevity for their future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Love it, dude. All right. I'm sure more of this will come up, but let's jump into a couple of things. How old do you find yourself today? How
1: old do I feel? Oh man, I'm going to be turning 36 and in my mind, and my body, don't even feel near that. Some days I would say 21 almost in regards to how I operate, how I feel. I mean, I have a better physique and strength than I did in my twenties. And then how about your energy when you wake up? Yeah, no issues, I'm not groggy in the morning once. I set an alarm, but I typically will wake up before it. You know, it's kind of just there in Mm. case. But I try and just allow my body to wake up. So if I wake up and it's 3 a.m., my body's had enough sleep. I'm ready to go for the day. And you know, obviously, if I sleep until my alarm, let's say it's 5 o'clock, then the alarm will wake me up at 5. But I try and get that 6 to 7. If I can get 8, I'm lucky. But at least 6 to 7 hours of sleep Mm -hmm. and food that I eat. I'm trying to just be able to keep up with the kids. You just got to keep it as a priority. So I definitely feel a lot younger than 36, which is great. That's the key. Is that you know you get to a certain point, you want to, to reverse that process. You don't want to be thirty six and feel like you're fucking fifty.
0: Right. Well, that's the thing is how do we make 50 feel, right? It's the decisions you and I are going to make today, tomorrow, the next day that are going to make 50 feel like we're awesome. And that's what I'm going into this decade of looking and feeling my best and continuing it on so that I'm 65, 70, still surfing with my grandkids at that point or being able to roll around on a skateboard or get up and down off the floor and play with the baby. And, and those are the things that are really critical to us having functional fitness and, and nutrition at this age, right? Because yeah, we could probably still drink and do whatever. I'm 40. It hurts a little bit more, but we have the ability to set ourselves up for success. And it comes down to fatherhood, right? Like do it for your kids, do it for your grandkids. Father's quick interruption here. Do you struggle with the sense that you are not stepping into the fullness of your role as a father? Do you regularly wrestle with feeling inadequate as a father? I would love to connect and encourage you over a one-on-one Zoom call. You can grab a time with me at wwwrebelandcreatecom forward slash connect. Take a few minutes to talk life, fatherhood, and I will share several resources that will support you on your adventure of fatherhood. Now back to the conversation. Yeah, man. Sometimes we'll visualize this idea of imagine you're in a suit walking your daughter down the aisle for her wedding. Do you want to be that fat ass guy who's not psyched or do you want to be an alpha representative of this family that is like a leader in all aspects of life and like you as a dad 100% have control of that?
1: Yeah, if you have a daughter, what do you picture your daughter's husband? When I looked back at my life when I was in my 20s and what I was doing back then, I wouldn't want my daughter to be with somebody that was like me. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to look and say, okay, I have to lead by example and do things because I want to show my daughter what man should be and what they should do and their integrity and who they are as a person, how they treat themselves, because your physique is your resume to the world, basically. So when you see somebody at the pool and you see a fat person, you can already tell their habits, what food are they eating, what they're doing. And that shows basically part of who they are is their resume. Where all of a sudden you see a guy at the pool that has a six pack and in shape. You can tell a lot about that person based off their physique because your physique is your resume to the world. It shows you what they're doing behind the scenes.
0: Dude, I love that is your resume to the world. Something I've been talking about is there's kind of these six pillars I'd say I live by faith, family, finance, freedom, fun. I could post a really great Instagram reel for any one of those five. Yeah. Like you would have no idea if I'm full of shit or not. But the sixth one, which I would normally say before, but is fitness. Fitness is the only one that you have to be authentic. You cannot be a liar. Like if I tell you right now, dude, family's so important to me and I've got a picture of my family and blah, blah, blah. I could be a total dick to my wife and I could be an asshole to my kids. But if I tell you, dude, fitness is really important to me, you are gonna know in two seconds whether that's true or not. So I believe like as men pursue that, right? If they're leveling up their life as they pursue that, the other areas will level up to be authentic and not full of crap. Well, yeah, because a physique is so important, not only
1: just for your own health. Obviously, this is about longevity, but something about building a better body and a physique, it can't be given to you. Money can be given to you. Wealth can be given to you. Certain mm. things like that can be given. You can get lucky with those things. Yes. Oh, okay. I dig it. Yeah. Building physique, you have to earn it. You have to be patient. It's not yeah, an Amazon package. Good. It's not going to be delivered <laughs> yeah. instantly you have to sacrifice, you have to be patient, you have to be disciplined. So when you see somebody that has a physique, a lot of people may project on that and be like, oh, they're probably taking steroids or they're cheating or doing something else.
0: Yeah. We pull people down because we're not willing to do the work. And the thing is that person still
1: had to eat the food. They maybe still had to do the cardio. They still had to dedicate themselves to create that type of body and uh, create that lifestyle. And like you said, When you earn that physique and you see what you're capable of and that makes that changes, it's a trickle down effect because if you're feeling better and confident, it's going to get better in business, in your work life. You're probably going to start making more money. And Mm -hmm, then all of a mm -hmm. sudden, you're now going to be more attractive to your spouse. So your spouse and your relationship is probably going to get better going to have more intimacy. Your kids, obviously, you're going to have maybe more patience because you had patience with your physique. So now you're going to have patience with your kids. You're not going to snap as quick. You're not going to be as angry because of that. So the fitness is a good starting pillar for fathers because it's going to be a trickle down effect to the rest of your life. So at least for me, when I first started wanting to get a better physique, it started with wanting a six pack. That was the, the goal. But towards Mm -hmm. the end of it, that wasn't the goal. The goal changed because now I have the six pack, but now it's improving other areas of my life and I'm enjoying the process now because now it's more of the process than the result. And basically take away a man's process because it's going to succeed for the result. So that's the biggest thing is, is enjoying that process versus just focusing on a result. Because if you're focused just on a result, you may fail. But if you're just enjoying the process, the result's going to happen either way for you.
0: Yeah, I think the big aha I just had was in our culture, we're so entitled, right? I mean, for the most part, we're born wealthy. We're not worried about shelter and food for the most part. And so our kids and ourselves are pretty used to like, oh, I want X, order it on Amazon, it'll be here in two days. So we've trained ourselves to be entitled and not patient. And so we're not willing to put in hard work unless it's easy. And you see that a lot in like, you know, 20 year olds to 30 year olds right now. They just don't want to put effort, really a lot of people. But if you were to pursue, through the process of this, you're going to become more patient, less entitled, less selfish. It's going to just impact so many of these character traits that we all say we have or say we want, but it's really going to challenge you with those. And I hadn't really put that together. Dude, here's a great example. I have been on this path for a couple years now, and I just decided to do a three-day, the Gary Brecca three-day water fast. And so I just finished it last night. Okay. And yesterday, I was talking to my daughter and her friend, and I uh, would, they were out by the pool and I came out and talked to them for a minute. And my daughter's like, whoa, you're not mad right now. She expected me to be mad because I was hungry. And I was like, no, I mean, I'm hungry, but I'm good. And it was a shock to my kids. And then I show up in a couple other areas. My wife was late for something yesterday and it would typically piss me off if we didn't leave on time. And I was like, dude, it's all good. Like I get it. Stuff happens. And so I think when you start to get control of those areas, then you can do the same in others. So yeah, big aha for me right now.
1: Yeah, it's a huge trickle down effect. Once you get yourself in that lifestyle, and you understand the process, it's basically a game changer for you in all areas of life. And it can never be taken away from you. Once you start down that path, you really take control of your life and how you want to do things the way you want to do them.
0: All right. A couple of fatherhood questions. When did you embrace fatherhood? So you, you have a seven and an eight year old. You were about what, 28, 29, kind of in that area. When did you embrace fatherhood? Was it the moment you heard you're going to be a dad or was it when your baby was delivered or was it a year later when you started to have like a different connection with them?
1: Good question. I would say really embraced it and was probably that first night in the hospital. Obviously the pregnancy and the whole process, you're just like, okay, that's great, but there's really not a whole lot to do. We're just kicking back, wait for the game to start once delivery hits so I think it was that first night after delivery now for me it was my daughter so now it's like bam here's your daughter Mm -hmm. and then okay you guys can leave tomorrow you're gonna allow me to leave with this thing like (laughs) what the hell am I supposed to do Yeah. Yeah. and so I think that was a start of embracing the fatherhood and then I think it was then when we got Mm -hmm. home in that first day and night alone with her and Mm -hmm. starting the whole process of changing a diaper and the feeding and the whole process itself was kind of really kicked in once we got home and it's okay. Thankfully, when they're just newborn, there's not a whole lot going on. They eat, sleep and shit, basically. But it was still the fact of, okay, now you're responsible for this little girl for the rest of your life. And that was the biggest trigger. The first, it was initial shock. It's like, okay, first night, all of a sudden you're asleep, you're not used to waking up to a crying baby. And you're like, okay, now I gotta figure out swaddling and then really yeah. sunk in once home and taking off from there was really the biggest embracement and understanding of like, holy shit, <laughs> like here we go, man. This yeah. is gonna be interesting yeah. to see how this turns out.
0: So something that I love that you said, which I don't know if anyone said it before. You said, now you are responsible, right? You're talking to yourself like, now I'm responsible for this little girl for the rest of her life. And not that you need to have the answer to this, but at what point, if most men are created to have that natural feeling, right? I think we're pretty much created when that baby's born, we have that natural feeling, but if it were true and we stuck with it, the world would look different, right? Because how many kids don't have a dad who's engaged in their life? I wonder, and what do you think, when and why does a man disconnect from that responsibility, right? At what point does he slowly disconnect from I'm responsible for this person and not to control their life, but to walk and guide and lead and teach whatever the role of the father is? What do you think? Why do they walk from that role? Responsibility? So you're basically asking why some men leave and not take on the responsibility? Yeah, I'm not saying you got to have the answer, but it's just kind of like for us to wrap about this. You had this innate feeling of this girl has been placed in my care to, to watch over, to protect. And at some point, I mean, it has to be true that most men have that initial feeling. And then at some point it kind of goes away because they're not connected to their daughter. They're not connected to their son. They're not taking responsibility. And it's saddening because that's what our world is missing, right? Family's falling apart. And a lot of it's because men are not leading in their homes. I think it's had to
1: do with fear because fear is a big yeah. driving factor for most people in life in general. And that's why most people yeah. stay in their nine to five dead end jobs because they're afraid. Yeah, what are we afraid of? Failure. If you walk away from the child and you never have to experience that fear of failure if your daughter or your son turns out, let's say a shitty person, a shitty individual. Because at least for me, I obviously want to raise my kids not only to be successful in life and be healthy, but I want them to be good people. So when I'm not around, when I take them to school or they have a sleepover, I don't want to hear that your kid is acting up or getting in trouble and and not treating people with respect and adults and the other children. So I think men fear of failure because if you leave that situation you don't have to worry about if you're a good father or not because most parents you lay in bed at night so i'm sure you've had this situation where you snapped on your kid and you yelled at them or whatever maybe there's been
0: a few and
1: all of a sudden you put them to bed and you're (laughs) laying there and you do a recap and you're like man i wish i didn't say that i wish i didn't do that and you have that regret feeling because you want to be a good parent but unfortunately being a parent doesn't mean being their friend you need to be a leader, you need to be a parent, not a friend. And that's a fine line for some parents to follow. And that could create that sense of failure and fear of wanting to be their friend and not have your kid hate you. So I think that's where I can't speak for them. But if I had to put myself in that situation, basically being driven by fear of failure.
0: Yeah. So you bring up something really good. Okay. So you said a lot of men are asking, am I a good father or not? What's another word we could replace with good? Because I think the word good is causing us a lot of good and happy are two freaking words that are causing some issues. And I would say the question isn't, am I a good or bad dad, right? Because what am I judging that based on comparing to someone else? I'm just looking at a way that I maybe did something I didn't want to do today. Like I said it this way or that way, but what's another word, but what would you replace that with that is less it's good and bad? It's I mean, competent? You know? yeah, like competent or intentional. Competent, I like that word because it means that I have to go learn some things, right? So if I feel like I wasn't competent in the way I spoke to my kid today, maybe I need to go hit up Lucas and say, hey, yo, this happened. Can you give me some feedback? Whereas instead of using the word competent, I use the word good. I wouldn't want to tell Lucas about how I spoke to my kid today because then I'd feel like a failure, right. right? I feel like I messed up. I did it wrong. But if I'm a competent dad, well, not in this area, not in how do I talk to my daughter about sex or her period or whatever. So if I look at it in that sense, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get the skill to do that. Just if I wanted to get in the gym or wanted to golf or wanted to do whatever, I'm like, okay, let me go figure this out. If we have that same view of fatherhood, hopefully that's why people are listening to this podcast right now. They're working on leveling up those skills. Any other thoughts on that before I ask my next question? Well, and,
1: And I think you hit it on the head is as a father and as a man... I think initially brought here to learn skills and to be a leader. And Mm -hmm. for me, if I don't know something, I'm the type of person where I'll go out and find the answer to it or I'll teach myself. For example, the garbage disposal goes out. Okay. I'm the type of person where I'm going to go to Home Depot. I'm going to buy a garbage disposal and I'm going to replace it myself. Am I a plumber? But I'm going to (laughs) sit there and I'm going to learn may take me a couple hours, but I'm going to try and learn that skill. I'm changing it out versus waiting, scheduling an appointment, wait for somebody to come to the house. Like I'm going to learn that skill. I'm going to create that confidence. So now I've done it once. So if it goes out again, I know what to do. So it's the same thing. Whereas disciplining your child, maybe your first initial thing is to hit your kid, spank them. Like, hey, you did something wrong. I'm going to whack you across the ass. Okay. And some kids respond to that and some don't. For example, I've spanked my son before and he's just like, all right, dad, cool. It doesn't work on him. So it's learning a different skill of how to discipline him where it's going to create an effect where, hey, I'm trying to teach you something not to do that. And obviously sometimes spanking your child isn't always going to work. Every kid's different. Not saying spanking your kid is the way to go or do it. I'm not recommending that. But it happens and I've learned a different skill in how to discipline my son versus a different skill of how to discipline my daughter. So that's, I think, where for me, that word being competent and learning a different skill for and how to do things for your children of what works with your daughter, what works with your son, if it's discipline, if it's schoolwork. I know the way my son learns is different from my daughter, being able to teach them and help them out with their schoolwork. So I think as a father and a leader, you have to be able to adapt and learn different skills. And it's not a one size fit as fatherhood, as you know.
0: Yeah. So a couple of really just key things is, is one, you're talking about knowing your kids. And as a father, do you know your kids? Do you know their likes, their dislikes? And, and as a father, one of our greatest opportunities is to call out their gifts, right? When I see my son doing something one way or my daughter doing it another way to, to affirm them. Oh man, that's incredible. Like, look at what you created, look what you did. And obviously not tying that I love you because you can do that, but I see that in you and I wanna call out our kids' strengths. The other questions that I was gonna ask, and I, I can still ask if you have any other opinions on this is what's the role of the father? But one of these things that you said was learn skills and pass them on. My job is to learn skills and then pass them to my kids. And you said this word, create that competence for whatever the thing is. And I think we're just missing that as fathers, we're creators. We got to create our children. And then we get to create every day with our hands, our words, our actions, we get to create. And so I love those two words. Is there anything else you'd lean into if you were describing the role of the father? What would you describe that as? I mean, the biggest role I think as a father is obviously being a leader
1: and, and setting the example. And that's for mm. me and what my mindset and how I look at it being a father is being able to be out on the front lines for your kid and show them to live outside the box, not be in fear and do what you want to do and show them too at the same time. So I would say the biggest thing for me would be being a leader. Be out front. Don't be so
0: reserved and be more out in front. Don't be scared. My friends, sorry for this quick interruption. However, somewhat sadly, I get more questions from dudes about fitness than I do about fatherhood. But... What I've found is that the fathers who start taking care of their fitness and nutrition end up finding fatherhood, marriage, work, and all other aspects of life come into a deeper clarity of purpose, enjoyment, and fulfillment. Now I've partnered with Rise Up Kings to launch Ruck Fitness, a transformative program that is less focused on a six pack in 90 days and more focused on you creating the habits, mindset and lifestyle that will allow you to be a healthy asset to your family for decades. Come join me in a transformative journey to become the man you want to see in the mirror. Go check it out com forward slash fitness. Now back to the show. Yeah. What I'm hearing, which I really like is you're talking about being connected. I think a lot of times we'll say, oh, I'm a leader, right? Or you be a leader. But the terminology that you used, be out in front. If I'm out in front, that means I'm not alone, right? You said reserve too. So I'm not just doing my life in the dark, measuring my food at 4am when nobody knows, or nobody knows I work out. Like you're out in front, you're letting your kids see your life the wins and the fails. So you're connected to them. And I think a lot of us fathers are disconnected. We have our own life and then we come and do the family stuff. And it's a missed opportunity if one of our primary roles is to learn skills and pass them on. And and a great, very simple example is it's Saturday morning and you're going to fix the garbage disposal. It would be so much easier to wake up, make your coffee, go down to Lowe's or Home Depot, grab the parts, do it all yourself, get it done in two hours. That would be easier. But if you went and woke up your son or your daughter, you took them out, you had a coffee with them and you looked for the part, you watched a YouTube video together on how to fix it. Was it going to take you three hours now? Like what a different opportunity. Exactly. And that's being out in front, right? And I love that word, be out in front or that statement, be out in front. That means if I'm out in front, I'm looking back, I'm checking on my crew. I'm willing to fall and stumble and let them see me fall and stumble so that they are going to fall and stumble less, right? I think if we're hiking on a trail and I kick a rock, I yell back, yo, don't kick this rock. And if I'm leading out in front and I let my family see my failures, they are going to throughout their life, miss more of those rocks on the trail. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is creating, you know, obviously that The biggest thing is building my business and setting up not only myself and the family now for success, but then being able to provide that future for my kids where they won't have to struggle as hard as I did. My dad was rags to riches and obviously had to create himself and laid a nice foundation for me. And so for me, now it's my step to create a better foundation for my kids and hopefully them, and it'll just keep building itself and making it yeah. easier in regards to certain things that other people don't have to worry and stress about and, and building those better foundations and removing the, the hardship and negative things that we've had to gone through. And hopefully they can avoid those to make their lives a little bit simpler. Obviously things happen, but being able to navigate through those tough waters.
0: Yeah, man. So good. So with that, you brought up your dad just now, and I know you listed your dad as the greatest resource when it came to you becoming a father. Tell me a little bit about him and how he, your fatherhood journey. Yeah. My dad was a great example of how to be a father, be a father. My parents mm-hmm. were married for almost about
1: 40 years before my mom passed away. And so they're mm. high school sweethearts. They had me and my brother and they basically own their own cleaning business, you know, real basic people from Long Beach. And so the venture. my dad went to go work in sales and really developed his sales skills and really became successful. And basically then from there showed me not only he was my baseball coach, he was my football coach, he was engaged Mm. with our lives. He was not just most dads, unfortunately, they're around their kids, but they're not present. There's a difference between Mm -hmm. engaging with your kids, than being in front of your kids. And you're sitting there scrolling through Instagram, like, Oh, yeah, I'm hanging out with my kids right there's a difference between right. being present and not present yes. and he was my football coach he was engaged mm-hmm. with our lives he wasn't just most dads unfortunately they're around their kids but they're not present so there's a difference between mm-hmm. engaging with your kids then being in front of your kids and scrolling through instagram like oh yeah i'm hanging out with my kid like right there's a difference between right. being present and not present yes and my dad was always present. Obviously things were different. We didn't have technology and all that stuff now, but he was our football coach. He was baseball coach. We would eventually, mm-hmm. when we got into golf, we would get up at six o'clock in the morning, and go get that early bird tee times. Always there and showed me and my brother how to be a father, how to lead from nothing and be successful. For me now, him being able to teach me about how to be a good salesperson, how to be a good business owner, how to invest those different things that you can't learn in school. And so for me, I got to learn that from him. A lot of my skills, I didn't learn from school. And so I learned those of different things. I used to watch my dad, he would build us skate ramps from scratch. he would go to Home Depot, Mm -hmm. buy the material, be able to build a skate ramp for us. We would build skimboards. So he would go buy all the stuff and he'd be able to show us and do the woodwork and build skimboards for us. And he wasn't any sort of never built it before, but learned that skill. And so it's the same thing that he's been able to pass down to me and my brother. Obviously there's certain things you can hire people, but at the same time that you can do around the house and fix things and you appreciate it just much more. So having that as an example was great for me and learning that foundation of how to be a good father. So for me, I had that great example already set the tone versus, unfortunately, some kids don't have that. And so they have to kind of learn it from scratch. So that's what really, I think, helped me becoming a father is because I had him as such a great resource for fatherhood and obviously him still being here and being able to go to him and help me out still at 35 years old.
0: Yeah, that's epic, man. Beautiful. What's your dad's name? Richard. My dad's name is Richard as well. Love it. Yeah, and it's just great to honor those men who set that example. And the hope is that our sons one day would be having a conversation and say, yeah, my dad, and have positive things to say about the way that we showed up. We have a few more minutes here. One of the things that I'd like to just ask you about briefly, because I know so many men are going this, but you had brought up before we started recording, you know, about your divorce back in 2019. And my question to you would be, A, is there anything you'd share with a dad that would be helpful? B, how did you show up well for your kids? And C would be just taking that you transformed your life into just that moment and becoming even more a better version of yourself, if you would say. So in any kind of one of those three areas, what would you share that you think would be insightful or helpful? for a dude who's either in the middle of that, moving into that or or struggling in that? It's tough. When you've been with somebody for nine years and you're married, I had at the time
1: a two-year-old and a three-year-old and your wife comes to you one day Mm -hmm. and tells you that she doesn't love you anymore. It's a tough thing to hear. And so Hmm. getting beyond that point of you're going to go through different emotions. You're going to have your anger, your frustration, confusion, different symptoms that you're going to go through. And when she finally left, I went from a household, a full household to then just myself. And then at that same time, COVID hit. And so then there was the lockdowns. So then I was all alone, basically. And obviously I have my kids 50% of the time. And then it's me and two little kids. And I'm having to run a business at first. It's trying to navigate those waters and really understand that you're capable of more than you think of. Because for me, I was like, okay, I'm trying to mm. run a business. I've got two little kids. Things are, can't really go anywhere or do anything. So trying to balance out that type of life. And for me, I just became more structured and disciplined and taking it day by mm. day. Try not to look at things as a whole or a long haul. Like, how am I going to get through this? A lot of those negative thoughts are going to make things worse. So the best thing that worked for me was keeping a positive mindset saying, hey, this is tough right now, but I'm going to get through it for some reason.
0: I would just love to pause here and go, what gave you that? Because that's a that's a fork in the road where you dis- decided to become more structured, more disciplined, lean into this. It's a season, positive mindset. And you easily could have gone the other way and been like, F it. I'm going to work hard. I make good money. I don't care. I drink now more than I did before. And just like go down a path of misery, which we don't call that misery in America. Yeah. but Ultimately, that's what it is, right? What was the trigger, the thing inside of you? What allowed you to make that choice? to go down that hard path in the moment?
1: Yeah, so obviously at first, yeah, I was drinking more on the weekends. I didn't have the kids. When I had the kids on the weekends, I wasn't drinking, but it just came to a point where I just kind of hit rock bottom and I woke up one morning on a weekend where I was on a typical weekend bender and I was hung over, not feeling good. I was reflecting in isolation, basically, because I was by myself. And mm-hmm. finally, I was just done. I can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. I've got two little kids. i got to be better for them. It wasn't about me. It was more about setting mm-hmm. the tone for my kids. Because the path that I was leading down to, yeah. and if I kept going that way, it was just going to get worse. And it was affecting my kids. And I didn't want that to be an issue for the kids. And I didn't want to affect their future. So that was kind of really the rock bottom and the breaking point was how I was feeling, how I was reflecting on the things that I was doing. And for me, that's where I was like, I need to get right. Not only just for myself, because I know if I can better myself, it's going to be better for the kids. It's going to be better for my business and which it did. I made the right decision. Obviously now looking back four years later is that things could have gotten really bad. And I'm glad I made the investment Mm -hmm. in myself by getting a coach getting a better physique, stop the drinking that I was doing. And from there, it was that trickle effect that got me into a better place, a better mindset, and obviously a better relationship with my kids. And my business has doubled. So things have just expansionally gotten better just by improving myself as a father and getting out of that negative mindset from where I was at. And that's, you know, sometimes you have to reflect on that.
0: Yeah, so I'd love, and you kind of mentioned a couple there, but if we could narrow it down, what are three action steps? So if a dude feels like he's in that situation right now, what are three action steps that you would suggest they take?
1: First action is is to invest in yourself. So for me, it was getting a coach for fitness.
0: How'd you choose a coach? What kind of coach did you chose one for fitness, why fitness? Yeah, because I just felt that by getting myself
1: healthier and my yeah. body and my mind right and the food, I knew that, that was gonna be a gateway to better success for my relationships, for my business and for myself. So that would be that first action is to invest in yourself. If it's a coach or whatever it may be is invest in yourself, get yourself right. And so for me, it was a fitness coach, maybe for you, it's just mindset if you're already in great shape, but it's something that's going to help you mentally get you out of the situation you're in now. Somebody that can like a therapist, but somebody that you can talk to and work with, and it's going to get you in a better place Mm -hmm. mentally, because once you can fix your mind and what you're doing and get disciplined, that's going to better all areas of your life. So your first action really should be admitting that you have a problem that you're in a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. And once you realize what you're doing, and for me, it was that look back, like seeing what I've been mm, doing that reflecting, yeah. and realizing that I have a problem in regards to how I'm living my life. So action one is admitting right. that you do need to fix something, because if you don't think you have a problem and there's no issue, then obviously nothing's going to change. And then two, then yeah. I would say then you getting that coach, getting that somebody to help you. For me, it was fitness and getting myself right, right. mentally and physically. And then step three. Love it. And then any third action. From there, it's just execution. Is you set your plan Mm. and you stick to it. Do the work. And I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. I didn't tell anybody that I hired a coach. I didn't Mm. tell anybody that I stopped drinking I just put my head in the sand and I just did it. I didn't sit there and be like, most people, oh, I'm going to the gym day one. I just went and did it. And then all of a sudden people saw the result. They're like, I was completely two different people. And they're like, holy shit, like what the hell did you do? And so I didn't want to be the the person just speaking in words and say, hey, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then there's no follow-up because most people are easy like, hey, I'm going to go start this business or, hey, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm, hey, I'm going to start a diet. They never stick to it. They never stick to their word. So for me, right. it was committed right. to Ugh. it, dedication, to your and then creating that action and making that result happen and not listen to any outside noise, anybody else saying, hey, why are you coming out drinking or this now, whatever it may be, and just "Hey, I'm focused on myself, I'm trying to do this, that, and sticking to the plan and not making excuses and making shit happen.
0: Yeah. Don't make excuses. and make it happen. Exactly. Boom. There it is. All right, my friend killer, dude. I love it. So good. Thank you for sharing your life with us. Last question for you is a legacy question. Imagine 30 years from now, you are standing in a cul-de-sac peering into your kids' homes. They're about your age now. What is it you want to see playing out in their home that just puts a tear in your eye or a big smile on your face knowing that you showed up? What do you see?
1: Yeah. If 30 years from now, man, I'd, I'd love to see my kids have kids of their own would be great. Having the grandkids, just really just happiness, you know, seeing my kids happy in their own homes with their own kids and they're happy and healthy and in a good place. Cause I know the world can be difficult. It can be challenging, a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. And if I do what I'm supposed to do, my kids will be happy and healthy. And and that's all that matters to me.
0: Love it. Lucas, thank you for the work that you've done over the last four years. And thank you for your willingness to come on here and talk about it so that other dads could hear, be inspired and know what is possible. I look forward to our paths crossing again.
1: Yeah, man. No, I appreciate you having me on here. And I hope that at least if there's one dad here
0: that I could help out
1: and understand that if you're in a difficult position that you can get through it, it's going to be tough at first, but just keep pushing, keep your head down, stay dedicated and you know, just focus on what's important and the time will pass and just take it day by day and things will work out. I promise.
0: Yeah. I love that dude. Super inspiring. And before we go, you do fitness and nutrition coaching. Now, where can people learn more about that? Yeah,
1: they can follow me for my fitness pages, show and go fit on Instagram. And then if you want to check me out on my personal page, it's more over the kids and family type stuff too. That's Lucas underscore on Instagram. Also, you can find me on Facebook, Lucas Bonzer, and then obviously business stuff. You can find me on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. Love it, dude. And I think it's really important. There's a thousand fitness coaches out there. And just like Lucas shared, he found one that worked for him. Depending on who you are, where you're at in life and what you need to be connecting on, find that person that you're going to vibe with and connect with, can walk with you for hundred days, six months, a year and step into it because it's really hard to do on your own. Everybody can benefit from coach, mentor, and not just doing it in the dark. So Lucas, any last thoughts on that before we cut here? But I think that's can be a critical component for people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that component for people. That's the biggest thing is getting
1: a coach and getting somebody, it can cut out a lot of the noise. And instead of doing it on your own, there's a lot of zigzag where if you get with somebody like me or whoever may be that you resonate with, we can cut you into a straight line, get you where you need to be in a faster route. But purpose driven is the biggest thing is investing in yourself and getting that help, asking for help. It's not a bad thing. It could be an ego thing, Mm -hmm. but try to avoid letting your ego get in the way of asking another man for help. Because I've been there. Mm -hmm. I know the struggles. I've tried to do it. on my own. It's so much easier getting somebody that already at the destination that you want to be at, and we can help you get there Yes, and take out a lot of that zigzagging and BS, the red tape, and we'll be able to give you that blueprint. And as long as you follow the blueprint, you're going to be successful. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. And I know as a man that can be tough. Trust me, it took me a long time sitting there dwelling on asking for help or not. And I'm, I'm glad I asked for the help. And there's nothing wrong with asking another man for help. I know guys even go to Home yeah. Depot, I'm like, oh, I'll find themself. I don't need to ask for help. You know, right. it's just one of those right. things. If you're struggling as a dad, if it's with your kids, if it's with mm. health and fitness, reach out to me. Reach out to Ned. Ask us our opinion. It may not be the answer you're looking for, but at least get a second opinion on something if you're needing help and guidance. Yes, There's nothing wrong with that. I asked for my dad for help. Obviously, if there's somebody else that's a resource for you, get the answer. Find it.
0: Yeah, dude. So good. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. What an incredible conversation. I really enjoyed the discussion around how to feed our kids, how to be engaged as a dad. Uh, I think as dads, there's such an opportunity for us to build rhythms and habits inside of our home, build standards of excellence. And so much of that can be around food. I love food, I'm assuming you love food too. And it's an opportunity to connect with our kids as well around meals that are going to really fuel our bodies well and help us have a healthy lifestyle. The other thing I just so loved about this conversation was Talking about the good and bad, that's been on my mind. You're probably gonna hear that come up so much in in my podcast right now, but am I judging myself being good or bad? And I love how Lucas brought up the word competent. Am I a competent father? And not to feel like, oh, I'm a stupid dad or I'm an idiot, but if there's an area that I need to gain some skills in the way that I talk to my kids, interact with my kids, lead, love, and guide my kids, I have the ability as a man to go learn those skills. And a lot of times that's gonna be from another dude, right? willing to put yourself and ask. And I want you to think about how do you feel when somebody asks you a question? If they come up and say, hey, Ned, I've really noticed that out in public, you really know how to talk to your kids when they make a mistake. I'd feel honored Or if I'm in the gym and somebody comes up and be like, yo, how do I use this machine? I'm honored. I don't think, what an idiot. I think, whoa, I'm needed. And same goes to be true. Like, we could give that to someone else if we walk up and ask a question. So, there you go. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, please write a review. It helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Fatherhood Feel Knows podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else, be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.